All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to the DFO Rundown, episode 50 at dailyfaceoff.com. I'm Jason Greger, along with Frank Saravalli. We come to you live from the woodjerseys.com studio, where, of course, they are your uh, licensed NHL product. You can see Frank's lovely uh, Toronto Maple Leafs one, very intricate, lots of uh, cool pieces. The Seattle Kraken, uh, we've tweeted it out. We'll tweet it out again. They've got a new one at Wood Jerseys for the Kraken, and it goes through the whole process of how they make it, stain it, color it. It's awesome. So uh, if you're- We've got a contest going, Jay. Yes, you can win it. Yeah, you can win a Seattle Kraken Wood jersey. So check out our Twitter. We'll tweet out the details. You got to follow two simple instructions, follow two accounts, and you'll be in the running. Yeah, that's that's pretty easy to do. So uh, check it out, courtesy of uh, WoodJerseys.com. And and uh, Frank, it's it's now Friday. It is uh, two days after free agency. There, there's still some names out there. There's always a few. But uh, let, let's kind of recap. Let's start with the defense contracts. And some of them weren't even free agents. Of course, we see uh, Seth Jones uh, got a, a traded to Chicago. Then he signs an uh, eight-year deal. For $9.5 million. Uh, Dougie Hamilton signs seven years at nine. And then Zach Wierenski signs six years at 9.53. So shorter, but higher than both of them. 
Um, I got to think that's a little bit of Columbus just, you know, paying a little bit more to keep their own guy, which would just fine. They're, you know, they haven't won a lot, so they probably have to do that. They're not the first organization to do it. But what do you make of this, uh, this defense and, and the new 9.5 mil in a flat cap? You forgot about Kale McCarr, another oh, guy, yeah. six well, years. That was a week ago almost, kind of forgot about him. It was, $9 million, and that was a guy that didn't have any rights. He had no arb rights. So this is a massive change in the NHL's defensive market. And I got to tell you, the only people happier than those guys, McCarr, Jones, Wierenski, Charlie McAvoy, <laughs> who has a $7.3 million qualifying offer at the end of this season. So hint, hint, Boston Bruins, you might want to start negotiating now. And what about Adam Fox, another guy with no rights? Well, I guess he will have our rights with one additional pro season, but he's coming off a Norris trophy year, neck and neck with McCarr. McCarr gets 9 million. Fox gets the trophy. Does he land in that same world could we have another nine plus million dollar defenseman this is where it seems to all be heading and i gotta say that out of all the contracts the one that i like most believe it or not even though he had no rights is mccarr he's a guy that since he stepped into the league has been a point per game defenseman including the playoffs and he just produces uh he's just a guy that that he's become the engine of that colorado defense and actually a lot of what they do offensively as well so um, you know, that's, it's a bold move by Colorado because they could have been one of those teams that sits there and squeezes their guy. But I think it's actually one, you know, everyone's always worried it, this deal, you know, it takes him right to UFA and what happens in, in six years, blah, blah, blah. Like cross that bridge. When you come to it, the whole, like walk him to, to UFA idea. I, I don't necessarily understand, like, you know, getting a shorter term deal, or in this case, a medium term deal, it makes sense, I think, for player and team more often than not. And, and don't let it get to this point where you're close to UFA. Negotiate a year ahead of time if you really want to keep him. Yeah, I've, I've never really understood worrying about six or seven years down the road. So much can change. You don't know uh, how competitive your team is going to be. And, you know, Kale McCarr, I, I, I'd be stunned if he isn't uh, living up to his contract financially. I'd be very surprised. I think of those four defensemen. If I had to pick to take one, I probably, I'd probably lean pretty heavily to take Kale McCarr. I just think, uh, you know, his 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 whole ability and how he moves the the puck around the ice, up and down. You know, he'll get better defensively, like every young defenseman, and and that's the thing. Like McCarr's offense, that's the natural part of his game. Just learning how to defend at key moments is something that every young defenseman, just with more experience, will have. So uh, I really like He's- that signing. They're all good defensemen. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm always kind of surprised when a player signs a huge contract as a free agent in a team that hasn't had much success. And, you know, so people look and say, well, is he just taking over over a chance to win? Well, Chicago a little bit, but even, even Carolina, even uh, more so New Jersey, right? Like New Jersey's made the playoffs once in a decade, Frank, like I just, Mm -hmm. um, you're a free agent, you're going there. And I I know they got Bernier and they made a few other signings, but realistically are, are the devils making the playoffs in the next few seasons? I think they're going to be close to knocking on the door this year. I don't think that anyone recognized really how good of a season Luke Hughes had. Uh, Not Luke Hughes, excuse me, his brother, Jack. Jack. I'm getting all the Hughes guys mixed up. Of course, Luke is going to be there in New Jersey with his brother. But Nico Heischer, too, another really good player. Like those guys, they need their couple forwards away from really being able to break out. They've got the goalie and Mackenzie Blackwood. The goalie piece is often almost the hardest to find. 
And, you know, they've got some other guys that had some good years. Ty Smith had a good year on the back end. They traded for Ryan Graves. Like, I think that team is significantly better than they were. Okay. I, I look at their division and I just, I kind of find it difficult to think that there's four teams, you know, they're going to be ahead of four of uh, like technically five teams almost. Cause you got to be in the, I think you got to be top four. So you got to be ahead of four teams in that division. And you know, there's Pittsburgh and Washington Phillies made tons of changes to their team. The New York Rangers. I think a lot of people uh, feel they're trending up as long as the Rangers can have a good start to the season. And uh, you know, if Mika Zibanejad can be ready to go at the start of the year, which uh, the last two seasons, he hasn't been man. Part of that was COVID one year. I understand it, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I, I look at them and you know they just added uh, Reeves. It's interesting. The New York Rangers. I, I think it's pretty abundantly clear as an organization that they felt they were just getting taken advantage of physically, and that's not going to happen anymore. It was a seismic shift. What happened with the Tom Wilson incident? And I, you know, in some ways, I think that led to the departure of Jeff Gordon and John Davidson. Uh, Chris Drury takes over the mandate, as you said, is pretty clear. Barkley Goodrow, a guy who has some edge. And then you bring in Ryan Reeves, the deterrent. If you have a Tom Wilson problem, he's your solution. And so third round pick for Ryan Reeves. And just going back to the, that division, the Metro real quick, Carolina's back there. Yeah. You no, know, the question is, you know, obviously Philly had a lot of work to do and, and they made some significant moves on their back end. But how long are Pittsburgh and Washington going to be in the mix? The Islanders seemingly aren't changing at all. And I, I love this. Going back to our daily face-off top 75 free agents board, guess who the top two players remaining are? New York Kyle, Islanders. Kyle Palmieri and Casey Sezikis. Hmm. I wonder where they're going. I mean, yeah. Lou Lamorello is an absolute master at, at keeping things, keeping his cards close to the vest. I mean, look, the fact that, None of those deals have leaked out as to you know what the terms are. Clearly, they've come to an agreement or else those players would have been going somewhere else. And clearly, the Islanders were willing to step up and pay market rate because as, love, as much as those guys might like playing on the island, no one's really giving up significant dollars. Casey Zizekas, you know, I'm told that there was significant interest from the Seattle Kraken. He almost went there. Uh, and instead, it, it appears that he's going to remain on the Islanders. They keep their team mostly intact from back-to-back conference final runs, or in this case, last year's semifinal run. And now they're opening up a new building. It's actually a pretty exciting time to be a New York Islander. Yeah, they lost Jordan Eberle, but uh, so they'll have to replace him. But, you know, it, it is like you look at the Islanders and Carolina and the Rangers and you go back to Pittsburgh and Washington, Frank, like when you have Sidney Crosby and if Jenny Malkin, the Penguins are going to stay competitive for me. I, you know, I, their GM's very aggressive. Uh, I, I don't, I think the Penguins will be in there until Sidney Crosby's close to 40. I think they're going to be a competitive team. Uh, Washington's got a lot of veterans. Um, you know, they, they were able to really, when you think about it, Frank, um, had they exposed Brandon Dillon instead, because a lot of people are saying, you know, or had they lost Dillon instead of Anisek to, to Seattle, well, you know, they would have been, they'd probably be necessarily worse off because now what happens is they ended up, they ended up having um, Vanisek still and an extra second rounder because one of the second rounders, they, that they, the two they got from Winnipeg, they just gave one to, uh, to Seattle to get him back. And is I really that like that. Asset management by Seattle that they could have taken Brendan Dillon and traded him for two second round picks. Like if you reverse engineer it and say, okay, is Seattle the team that screwed up here by not taking Brendan Dillon first off and getting two second round picks for him? Now, I don't think so because I honestly believe they didn't think they were going to get Grubauer. 
I don't think anyone like, thought that. Yeah, so they got Dreger and they had Vanage second. Most people felt like, hey, that's, you know, it's younger. That's a pretty good goaltending tandem. And then all of a sudden they come up and, and they get Grubauer. And, you know, I don't, I might be in the minority. Like I'm, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not, I'm not sold yet on Grubauer. I don't know why. Um, I just, I, I think he's a good goalie. I'm not sure he's a starter. And I, it's funny, like we talk, we can talk asset management, Frank. So you had Grubauer in Colorado you didn't want to pay him the turns out to be basically six mil 5.9. So you weren't willing to pay that you end up and you weren't willing to pay for all Mark or anybody else, it seems. So then you end up getting a goaltender, but it costs you a first rounder and it costs you Connor Timmons. Now I know it's only 3.5 for this year. So you save some cap space, but is that cap space and you didn't get Brandon sod. So is that cap space valuable enough? Because now if I look at Colorado, had they just, you know, maybe bit the bullet on Allmark or, or uh, Grubauer, pick your poison on which one, are they that much below Darcy Kemper in ability to make up for getting rid of Connor Timmons and a first rounder that you might have been able to move at the deadline when you recognize, oh, you know what, maybe there's a piece missing on our team. Like, I still think Colorado's blue line needs to get heavier. Right. Like I like I like McDermott, but I still think in their top four, like I know they'll have Eric Johnson and that's big. But having Taves, Girard and McCarr in your top four, those guys average one hundred ninety one pounds, Frank. Like that's just not how you're successful in today's NHL. I don't know. I think this team got the better goalie. Darcy Kemper, you get Arizona to eat money. So instead of being at four and a half, he's at three and a half. That's, you know a $2.4 million savings versus what Grubauer got on the open market. They brought in McDermott, as you said, and, and, and beefed up their blue line with a guy who's six, five. That was your big complaint that, you know, big people push around little people in the playoffs. And the thing is now they need to spend some of that savings on a forward. They lost Brandon sod. They kept Gabriel Landeskog, I think at a reasonable cap it. And I, I know the first round pick, I understand what you're saying, but in in all theoretical, you know, opportunity, it's going to be like late, late first round pick 26 to 32 in that range. So, um, you know, I actually have no issue with it. I, I still think there's a couple moves coming. You saw they signed Darren Helm one year, 1 million, uh, losing sod hurts, especially at the cap it that he signed for in St. Louis. Like I would have thought with the, some of the savings that they had that they would have turned back to sod, they have a little over $7 million in cap space. Like that's enough to go out and, and, and probably trade for another pretty good player. I would think. Yeah. The first rounder, it wasn't so much the pick itself. It's the asset of what you could, you know, you could use it for, you could get a right. Blake Coleman at the trade deadline, right. Or maybe a Barkley Goudreau type of player who, and those guys had term left. That's what made those trades. I feel so good for Tampa Bay at the time, because you know, they gave up firsts but they got guys for two years. And obviously those two years turned out to be perfect two years for the Tampa Bay lightning. And I, you know, I'm just intrigued. Like um, it's, it's hard to question Joe Sackick. He's made a lot of really good moves. I just felt like this one, maybe they overplayed a bit. We'll find out because Darcy Kemper next summer, Frank, he's going to, he's going to have to be resigned. Is he probably up to 4.5? Like if he plays really well and has a great season and, and he's let's, probably got to see what his injuries are like. I mean, that's yeah. been the thing on Kemper is like, can he stay on the ice? And that, that was the big question mark. So this is his year to prove it. Okay. But, but doesn't that then make it even more? So now you've added a goalie who, who has 
injury question marks when you, in a summer where there was tons of goalies available mm-hmm. that you probably could have picked them. I just think this was one. Now you mentioned earlier about Kyle Palmieri and that he's already signed in New York. Like if you're Colorado and you lose Brandon sod, man, Kyle Palmieri would be a good replacement. Yeah. I just, that, that deal I think is already done. I mean, I, yeah. I don't think Kyle, Kyle Palmieri misses the first two days of free agency without having something in his back pocket. I wanted to mention Arizona though, with the Coyotes trading Darcy Kemper, are they going to be the worst team in the NHL in the last in the salary cap era? I mean, I know well, that says a lot with some of the teams we've seen from Detroit and Buffalo, uh, even Colorado the Colorado team. Seventeen, yeah. Th- I, honestly, this is this is the race for Shane Wright. Them and Buffalo. I mean, that's that's really what it is. Like <laughs> Arizona, um, geez, like I, I like who's going to play? Well, and like they still might they, move Clayton Keller. They still might move Phil Kessel. Like, I think they're trying on those guys. Like this is the Jacob Chikrin was the guy that was the only untouchable, but their blue line is Chikrin. Really good player. I actually gave him an R's trophy vote. Strawman, Gostas bear, Ilya Labushkin and Connor Timmons. Those are their five D men right now. Yeah, it's not, man. Like, if you're a Jacob Chikrin, how how disappointing. Like, how here you are, it's you know July thirtieth, and you're like, man, I got to go to the gym for two hours. Now I know you got to be a professional, and but you at least want to go into a season thinking you have a chance. It, like most teams can convince themselves, ah, a few things go right here, we'll be in the mix. I just that's got to be really hard mentally for players like him. And you mentioned Connor Keller or Clayton Keller at, at seven point one million cap hit for like another five seasons. That's that's a tough deal. Uh, I think to trade. So it's another seven seasons. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see, you know, where they go to move him. I think Phil Kessel is definitely someone that's probably going to get moved maybe more so uh, during the season um, near closer to the trade deadline. Uh, He's somebody who's got a track record of being really good for you in the postseason, can score timely goals. So I could see something like that. And their um, two goalies are Carter Hutton and Joseph Coronash. Those guys total make a a million five. Yeah. Like they're not even trying. They're not trying to be good. They're no, purposely trying I, 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 to not be good. I'd agree with you wholeheartedly. Like I do. Speaking of goaltenders, is Ben Bishop going to play this year? Because otherwise, like otherwise, they've got Hudobin and Holpe, and you still got Ottinger. Now Ottinger doesn't need, require waivers, so as much as he would hate it, he might have to start the season in the minors at this point. But are you hearing that Bishop's not going to be ready at all, Frank? Because otherwise, the Holpe signing is a head scratcher for me. It is. Um, you know, I, I had I had placed some calls actually before free agency, and the stars were waiting on word from Ben Bishop about his status, and I think the answer was that they wouldn't get one until September. So they needed to get him okay. back on the ice. He was skating toward the end of last season, but you're right. I, I, I thought it was a crowded crease before they signed Braden Holpe. I was saying to myself, what am I missing here? Like, is one of these guys potentially going to be on the move? And I thought it would probably be Hudobin at three, three. It's a pretty reasonable cap hit for a team that might be looking for a starter. So you'd go, you know, maybe if, if Bishop is healthy, you go Bishop and Ottinger and, and you see, if Ottinger can carry the load. Um, but, you're, you know, the message to Ottinger, at least according to Jim Nill this week, was come ready to camp, come come ready to camp to be our number one goalie, and we'll see where it goes from there. So lots of goalies in the in that crease. And and Braden Holpe, like I, I was just surprised to see him go there. But got to tell you, 
I saw a picture. I think it was Matthew DeFranks from the athletic or from uh, the Dallas morning news had tweeted out a projected lineup. The thing looks pretty good uh, with the additions that they've made. Like they're pretty solid all the way through their lineup. If they can stay healthy. I mean, their, their defense, Heiskanen, Lindell, Klingberg, Suter, that's a pretty solid top four. And then they rounded out their third pair with Sekera and Yanni Hockenpah. Hockenpah, I mentioned there was a legit bidding war for that guy. Uh, three years times 1.5 million. He's a big D-man who's steady and doesn't make a lot of mistakes. I think he was a fit in Edmonton. I think he was a fit in Toronto. Uh, maybe a team going back to Carolina. Uh, so there was lots of teams interested in his services. And, and I got to tell you, I, I think on paper, Dallas looks pretty set. Well, you look at the, uh, at the central division, Frank, and you know, you have Colorado, of course, um, Dallas, I look at the, uh, the blues. I re- I like Winnipeg. I think Winnipeg's defense has improved, you know, Paul Stashy. I like the forwards that they have. They still have Connor Hellebuck who gives them a chance. He's a legit goaltender. Um, Chicago's improved, you know, so you look at Chicago and, and how many new faces and you can argue that Taves and doc are new faces considering that Taves didn't play last year and doc only played 18 games. Um, that, that division is going to be competitive. The, uh, the Metro we touched on earlier, the Atlantic, obviously with Boston and Florida and Tampa and Toronto, the Montreal Canadians could easily be on the outside looking in with, with all the potential injuries that team has to, to start the season. Um, you know, the Pacific there's Vegas and Edmonton, and then I think it's wide open, uh, after that. But the, uh, the central to me is going to be the fascinating one to watch because, after Colorado, I don't. To me, there's no clear favorite. Dallas, Minnesota, St. Louis, Winnipeg. You know, and then you know, can Chicago and Nashville, you know, compete? And I kind of, I'm intrigued by that. I like going back to the divisions. We know that Arizona's out. We know that Buffalo's out. I, I don't think Anaheim's going to be competitive at all, really, in the Pacific Division. Um, Did Anaheim even try to get better over free agency or the last couple of weeks? Like, what were they doing? They, they haven't done. They've really done. Felt nothing. like they were asleep at the wheel. Yeah. Well, you, you know what, Frank, you look at the draft picks for the next two seasons. A lot of people are like, geez, you know what? Uh, you look at the first rounders and, and who's coming out. And I, I think that's going to be kind of the, the race for some teams. It's uh, like, well, I, never, I get, but I at least get where Arizona's heading. Like, like, I mean, look yeah. at, at all their picks. I think they have seven picks in the first two rounds, including three first rounders. Like I, I, I get it at least you can understand like, Oh, this team, isn't going to be any good this year and probably the year after, but two years from now, they have a chance to be really competitive. I, I don't, I don't necessarily see or say the same thing about Anaheim, for instance. Well, Anaheim, the big question mark for me, when I look at their roster is John Gibson, because of his contract and his play could be, you know, a very big piece that you could move and recoup a lot of pieces. And, and I wonder if that's ultimately what they do. The problem and the risk with that is, is if you have a starting goaltender who's legit and you're trying to retool quickly, it's a lot easier to do it. And because your goalie, you can just rely on him to win you some games, right? Or keep you in games. And then if your other players, you know, you get some uh, lightning in a bottle here or there, all of a sudden you can be competitive. You remove Gibson from the equation. Now you're in a full on uh, rebuild and that I think they're, they're just kind of waiting. Like, I wonder if you're John Gibson, you know, he's got a great contract for a goaltender and you've got another, what, five or six years left, just over six million. Like, you wonder how long he'll be patient in Anaheim as they just 
continue to kind of spin their wheels. And you, I don't believe you can rebuild with all youth. I saw it in Edmonton firsthand. It's a disaster. I don't care how highly touted young players are. You can't win with all young players. Everyone always talks about all the youth in the NHL. And then you get to the playoffs, Frank. And then we look at the playoff teams who win. How many of them are winning with key young players in massive positions? Hardly any. So, um, you know, Chicago, that's a decade ago that that happened. Crosby is, a, as a, you know, uh, in his fourth year, Malkin still in his entry-level deal. Though That doesn't happen anymore. Look at Pittsburgh when they won now. Look at Washington's veteran team. The Blues, you know, were a highly veteran team. And I know Bennington came out of nowhere, but he still was like a sixth-year pro. So you just, it doesn't happen anymore. And teams who think you can put all young players on the ice and forwards and defense and that you're going to be successful, they're dreaming. It's, I, this has been proven time and time again, yet they still try to do it. It makes no sense to me. I get exactly what you're saying, but the problem with the Ducks is that they're kind of in the worst spot. They're like, it's like the one thing you can't be is half pregnant. And that's no, I know. what the Ducks are. It's like, they've, they're not even young. Like, look at their roster as it stands right now. They're key off-season acquisition has been bringing back 36-year-old Ryan Getzlaff. Uh, and, and look, I'm not knocking the signing. Mis- like He's Mr. Duck, and, and I, I think they were really happy with the job that he did with their young guys. And I, first off, I don't even know why it lingered that long unless they just told him, go out and get whatever you need on the market and we'll, we'll match it. But Adam Henrique, 31. Jacob Silverberg, 30. Getzlaff, 36. I mean, Ricard Raquel isn't a young guy anymore at 28. Then you go on to their defense. Cam Fowler's 29. Hampus Lindholm, 27. Josh Manson, 29. Kevin Shattenkirk, 32. Like, then you've got Gibson and the conundrum that you mentioned there. Okay, so you trade John Gibson and you get a ton back from what are you going to do in net? Like, he could be your franchise goalie even on the other side of the rebuild. So I don't know that it even makes sense, especially at a really manageable cap hit. He's 28. John Gibson can play until he's 40 if he wanted to. Um, so, you know, I struggle a little bit with the Ducks, um, but I actually do. I wanted to go back, uh, not to flip-flop back and forth, but go back to the Central and, and Chicago. Like, I'll believe in what they're doing there once we know the answer to what Marc-Andre Fleury's doing. Like, their goaltending is such a big part of it. I think to go into another season with Kevin Lankin and as your number one guy is going to put that team in a tough spot. I actually like there's uh, the Seth Jones contract is confounding to me. Um, First off nine and a half is a ton. And second, it's now a nine year commitment with the 5.4 that you are paying him for the first year of the deal. So that's, that's a really long time. I know that he's 26 But I was saying to you previously, and this wasn't to knock him, I said this way before, you know, when his name first started to percolate, that there were teams out there that thought that Seth Jones was already on the decline pretty significantly. And and it wasn't just because of a couple tough seasons. They looked at some metrics and they just said, something doesn't seem right here. I wonder if this guy can hold up for the long haul. And now you've got a nine-year commitment at a really significant number at 9-5. you know, so they've done some interesting things up front. Bringing in Tyler Johnson, I think, was a win. Uh, it was also a win for the Tampa Bay Lightning to get that Seabrook contract back and give them even more cap space in the form of LTIR. Um, but yeah, they they still have some work to do uh, up front. They lost another couple pieces in Camp and Pew Suter. Um, you know, 
it, they've got, they've still have some holes to fill. And I think another team that is heading into next season, at least as currently constituted, even after signing uh, Brandon sod yesterday is the St. Louis blues. Who's going to score. If you're trading Tarasenko, which everyone thinks they will uh, before, um, before the season starts. So you lose Tarasenko, you lose Schwartz and you probably lose Tyler Bozak. Like who's scoring your goals? Well, let's go to Chicago, Frank. And yeah, we, we saw Nick Boynton's comments uh, uh, just yesterday come out. Like, I wonder how much that's going to weigh on the organization all season long. They've still, they're trying not to address it. I think it's impossible to ignore it. And, you know, how, how much, you know, especially when Boynton comes out and starts naming a few veteran players to say, hey, stop with the lies. This is Boynton's words, not mine, that uh, players knew. Right. And, and he named some some key players and, you know, Patrick Kane, Brian Campbell, Patrick Sharp, obviously uh, the two on the latter two aren't there. But when I just, you know, that to me is something until that organization addresses. Now, this is just me. And but I, I've said this for years and I've been a massive advocate of it, that um, when, when you have distractions and when you don't do things necessarily the right way. It just comes back around in whatever walk of life you are. And so the Chicago Blackhawks continually to try to, to avoid this topic. Trust me, it's a very difficult topic to address, but you can't, you can't deny it. And the longer you try to, the worse it always gets. In, ask anybody in marriage, right? When you do something stupid, if you own up to it right away, you got a much better chance Otherwise, it's just lingering. And even if you go, if, you know, it's always there in the background and it, and it rises up at some point, usually when you think everything is back smooth and then something reminds your spouse of what you did previous to that and you still haven't addressed it, it's constantly there and everybody knows it. And I think the Chicago Blackhawks, until this is addressed properly, it's going to linger and I think it's going to be, and distraction is the wrong word because that's trying to, I'm not down. Um, down in the importance of what happened. But I believe that until they fully address it properly, it's going to be an issue. Yeah, it's hanging over that team like a black cloud. Any move they make, you know, it's like you can't really envision even Stan Bowman talking about it without addressing the issue again. And I've got to tell you, we there was so much made and talked about with Logan Mayu and the shocking decision by the Montreal Canadiens to draft him in the first round that we didn't even really get a chance to touch last pod or, or last week about what the Blackhawks did with the following pick. Like I actually felt terrible for the 12 or 14 women that were standing behind Stan Bowman clearly being used as human PR shields as the Blackhawks made their pick. Like this is an NHL organization that is, you know, not just under investigation, uh, it's a quote, internal independent, independent investigation, but it's also like the scorn of, of the hockey world right now with how they've handled this situation and these allegations. And they, they, they want to stand up here and grandstand and say, look how important women are to us. Like, I, I just, I can't, I can't understand it. I can't understand the thought process behind it. Get up there, make your pick and move on. 
Say your pick. Don't say anything else. We don't need, this isn't the time for messaging or grandstanding or to use those women as PR shields. It, you know, I get it. Um, they, there are a lot of women. Megan Hunter is the one who made the pick. She plays a critical, critical role in that organization. No one's saying that that's not the case, but the optics of that, man, it was shameful. It was disappointing. Wow. And that's one where you, you have, I don't know if it's a PR firm or somebody thinks, oh, this will look good. And they don't, like, don't believe that your audience is completely ignorant to situations like this. It's pretty clear what you want to do. Had you just had Megan make the pick on her own, there, there's validity to that. Because as you said, Frank, she's got an important role in the organization. That's easily all you could have done. You don't, it's when you have the 12, then it's, it's you know, you're trying to look power and united and, you know, look how we are and- it, it's no different than it's no different than their decision, like you know, as as they're embroiled in this scandal. That you know, forty eight hours later, we hear from Jonathan Taves for the first time in eighteen months. It felt like mm-hmm. you know, saying, "Oh, I'm ready to come back and play." Like, huh? Like, oh wait, Jonathan Taves, we haven't heard from you in forever. Now all of a sudden, you're ready to talk and you're willing to give exclusives to to you know, online entities. Like, what what's going on here? Yeah. Like, and here's the thing. I don't discount that the current regime might be significantly better in how, and you know, how they look upon the importance of women in their organization. I don't discount that, but because you haven't addressed the past and that goes back to what I said about in in the marriage and, you know, or any relationship you're in, when you don't address something, nobody's going to take you seriously. Everything else you do, we see right through it. Yeah, even if you've improved, and they probably have improved, right? Like Megan's got a real important role in that organization. So you know what? And and there's probably some. And and the other part is, Frank, you have people in the current roles who had nothing to do with what happened in 2010, absolutely nothing to do. And because you've still yet to address it, the people today have to pay the price for that. That's what makes it even more uh, unsettling. Is that now there's people in the organization who had nothing to do with it. I've done absolutely nothing wrong. Didn't we're never a part of it, but they're still going to be lumped in. And that's and I'm and I won't lump those individuals in because they weren't there. But the organ the people that were in the organization have still your and hey, I, I understand legal ramifications, but you're a billion dollar entity. You you can't be worried about that. Do the right thing, address it properly, and move on. But until you address it properly, it's not going away. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. And I I just, just, there's no more or less shameful uh, after the Logan Mayu pick. I would say that that was equally as shameful what they did. Okay. Uh, Quickly going back to the ducks. And the reason I mentioned Gibson is because Frank, you talked about their players that that are older and a lot of their older guys just aren't that good anymore. Right. They're they're getting paid for past accomplishments. And that that's usually a sign of a team that had won. you know, the ducks were pretty competitive for a long time. They're, they haven't been competitive now and they're trying to bring up young guys with older guys who aren't very good. I think that they've, and it's, it seems like they're in an inner battle internally to decide, okay, what are we as an organization, right? I get that Ryan Getzlaff, uh, you return him. He's the face of the franchise. He also has lots of business um, uh, situations going on in Anaheim. His family life is important to him. Uh, I think the comfort level of staying there, that makes all the sense in the world. But why did you make no other moves in the offseason? Why, why, why were you-, you not Why were you not taking advantage of some of the young players that were on the move? Like, why were you not the team that was signing – a David camp for a million and a half or, or some of these other guys that went 
really on the cheap um, in the last you know bit or or expansion draft casualties that you could have picked up and and really keyed in on like why were they not leveraging some of the cap space that they have 17 million dollars and change with some young guys still to sign in Max Jones and Sam Steele and Max Comtois like why you know I, again I I don't know how to say it in any other way than they I feel like they're asleep at the wheel yeah, that's uh, been a, it's an interesting one to me for sure. When I look at the whole situation for the ducks, cause I, I kind of don't understand what direction they're going in. Hey, maybe, maybe they'll shock me and they're going to be a way better team this year, but I just, I don't, I don't get how and, and why that's going to happen because on paper, they, they've got some decent players that you look at and say, Hey, this team should be competitive. Now I know that John Gibson, uh, there'll be probably people listening to the pod saying, Gregor, John Gibson hasn't been good the last few years. Yeah, I agree. His numbers on save percentage have not been good when you dig a little bit deeper. Cause a lot of times the public available save percentage, that's just one stat. You got to look a lot deeper on goaltenders and Gibson's numbers. You know, they give up a ton of quality chances, high danger chances. And you know, that's obviously going to be a challenge. He has to play better. Don't get me wrong, but I believe there's something about when you're on a team that loses all the time, it's virtually impossible to have very good numbers. There's the odd player that does it. Right. Um, you know, McDavid still put up 100 points. Oilers didn't make the playoffs in 18 and 19. So, you know, you can do it, but it's pretty hard to do. And I look at Anaheim and losing becomes more of a mental grind than a physical grind. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've never, uh, it's rare that a losing team or everybody's singing kumbaya and getting t- and, and happy together. So you have usually a little bit more. Uh, toxicity in your room, not, not negative. It's, it's just a word that's kind of, you know, it's probably a bad choice of a word for me, but you just have, you have less excitement in your locker room. There's, there's more unhappy players because some guys aren't getting the ice time they want. The team's losing is brutal. And Anaheim's kind of in that right now. And they, I don't see how they get out of it. And I, I thought Anaheim was going to be a player this off season. Cause they, they have some movable pieces for sure. And there was lots of teams that were like, we saw lots of big trades, Frank. And the Anaheim Ducks didn't sign nothing. anyone. Yeah. They didn't do anything. Like I, It's the most perplexing. And then I call them their, their neighbor, the LA Kings. Uh, they got way better. I was just going to say, we need to talk about the Kings and how much better that team is. They're, they're, I think the, the Kings in the Pacific are – them and Vancouver's a way better team too. So let's start with LA, then we'll go to Vancouver. But the, uh, the LA Kings, like my goodness – You've got Dano and Kopitar as your top two centers. I, I'm not sure how exciting the Kings are going to be, but my goodness, any opposing top six forward lines are going to have a real hard time generating a lot of offense against those two lines. Well, I, I love it because what the Dano signing does is take so much heat off of Kopitar. Like, you know, I, I think at, at a certain point, his offensive production has to wane because he's yeah. so focused on on playing defensively in the matchups that he's been facing. This just takes a lot off of his shoulders. Um, you know, and, and he's a guy that still had a really good year, 50 points in 56 games, but I think he can get back to that, you know, sort of next level in terms of production and a really underrated acquisition that we haven't really talked much about was the trade for Victor Arvidsson. I feel like they barely gave up anything to get him. And that guy, not only does he dig in and play like he can score, 
he was the master at that. I remember covering a couple of those Preds playoff runs, the the screen in front of the net where you jump and take the goalie's eyes out at the same time and the puck goes right through. Like this is a guy that had a 34 goal season. He hit 31, 29, 34. And I know that production has sort of dipped a little bit, but everyone's curious as to whether the guys that leave Nashville can all of a sudden shoot up again in terms of their production. So um, that, and then the sneaky good signing on their back end was Alex Edler. Like I know he's 35, but one year at three, five is no risk. And I think it just allows you when you have some young guys on your back end to properly sort of slot those guys out accordingly and be in a position that they are, are better suited to have success. And, then they've still got their tandem in Quick and Peterson. They didn't lose either one in the expansion. The guy that it just hurts losing was Curtis McDermott. See, uh, I'm not as high on Edler as you are. Like Edler was just a penalty taking machine last year in Vancouver. Um, it looked like you know the, the speed of the game. Now maybe that was COVID in the fact that you know what it's just a tough situation and and that's why it, it i always use that not as an excuse but i think it's a fair point of evaluation when you look at a lot of players and if they had down years but you know edler's a veteran probably you know the, the system they play in la they'll be a better defensive overall team than vancouver there's no question about it but like edler i can't play edler with drew dowdy right maybe i'm playing Oli matta with uh, drew dowdy you know we'll see that's the one area i have concern about the kings is i think they can compete for the playoffs i'm not sure how how far they can go unless some of their young defensemen take a step this year because after drew dowdy edler Oli matta you know matt roy sean walker those are those are good players but that to me is the one area uh where there's a little bit of you know they still need improvement Dude, there you're and, sleeping on sean walker i'm telling no, you i like i like walker i like walker but i don't i'm not sure like is, is walker a legit guaranteed top four defenseman yeah I uh, yes yes he is you think yeah, he is i'm sorry yeah oh, there's not i don't no think guessing. edler is Matt Edler to me right now, like he, Hey, maybe he'll be reborn and his experience will help him. And, and LA King system is infinitely better defensively. So that that's probably going to help him. But man, when I, and I watched the Canucks a lot last year, Alex Edler at times, Frank, like he was skating in quicksand. It looked like so his penalties, good- just so you know, his PIMS were no different or no worse than the last three years. Yeah, but it's just he takes a lot of minors. Like he doesn't, it's not like that guy's taking coincidental roughing penalties. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just, um, I watched Matt Roy, by the way, like he's another good player. Like, I don't know. I really like the Kings and their top four. I, and look, I, I get what you're saying, but I don't mind Edler because it's a one-year deal. You didn't get roped no. into the multi-year, you know, deal for some of these old. And then like, when you look at Edler and I know Goligoski had a good year, but you look at Edler at three, five, and you look at Goligoski at five. Like to me, I just think he's, he's sort of perfectly slotted. Um, we got lots of guests coming up in the pod. Uh, so the next few weeks, so we'll, we're going to hit on a few more teams here quickly. Uh, what's the latest on Minnesota? Because, you know, they, they went out and they saved all this money and then they just signed 5 million on, on Goligoski. Uh, what are you hearing on uh, Fiala negotiations? Is he still looking for seven and uh, any movement on Kaprizov? Is it ultimately going to be a four? I, I haven't heard much about Fiala. I, I think, um, you know, there's still working away on that Kaprizov. I don't see any way in which it's not uh, in that four to five year range. The team wants eight, the player wants something short term. You know, I'd assume you just meet in the middle at a pretty, it's still going to be a pretty significant contract, but you know, I think there was a lot of disappointment in Minnesota when they didn't get Nick Foligno. Obviously they wanted to reunite him with his brother, Marcus. I got to tell you, look, this isn't any sort of knock on Nick Foligno. 
by all accounts, unbelievable guy. I really wonder what he has left. And to go two years at three, eight, to even get close to what he was earning last year on that long-term deal at five, two, five or five, four, whatever it was to get close to that is a shock to me. I think there's some significant question marks about Nick Foligno's injury status. His back seems to have been having flare ups. Uh, I mean, good on him for getting the two years at three, eight, but I think there were a lot of teams out there that looked at Nick Foligno in the one, five to $2 million range. And if he ended up in Boston, that's probably the best thing that could have happened to Minnesota, even though they were a little disappointed. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a pretty big contract. And if, if he's healthy, he's definitely worth it. But if he has back injuries or back issues, that's obviously a concern. Uh, let's get to uh, rapid fire delivered by DoorDash proud sponsor of the uh, nation network and the uh, daily Faceoff podcast restaurants. Uh, you can do that food and everything else delivered right to your door. Check out locally. Uh, I know Popeye's Louisiana chickens, uh, my fave to use at DoorDash. And right now, if you've never tried it, They'll deliver the food right to your door. You can use the promo code RUNDOWNDD. That's RUNDOWNDD. You'll get 25% off and free delivery. So it's a great deal. That's uh, five questions delivered by DoorDash. So uh, we'll get to it, Frank. Uh, Thomas Tatar, where do you think he ends up in free agency? Hmm. Well, it's interesting. The Toronto Maple Leafs are a team that still has a little cap space left. I think they were one of the teams that was interested in Tatar on a shorter money deal. I don't know if he'll ultimately end up going there, but I think he'd be a decent fit in their bottom six. Matt, Tatar's a scoring machine at five on five. I mean, pumping his tires. So why all isn't year. anyone signed him? Well, there's lots of guys like that. It happens like no one signed Mike Hoffman until he settled for a one-year deal. Like I, um, I, you know what it is, Frank? I'll tell you because teams focus on what he doesn't do rather than on what he does do. He's and one of those happens- guys. Whenever I look at his age, I'm like, wait, he's only thirty. Like he's yeah. one of those guys you think is like thirty-six. He's twenty-second, Frank, over the last three seasons at five-on-five scoring. Twenty-second. Like you got teams dying for five-on-five scoring. So I look, yeah, he might be a fit in Colorado as well. The, you know what? The, they got a real good top nine. Uh, they got a few slots open. Uh, you could go Thomas Tatar on a decent deal, which leads By me to By the way, Nick- speaking of the, well, is that, were you going to ask about Nick Ritchie? Yeah, just let me ask my question. I'm asking friend? the questions here. Where's Nick Ritchie going? Yeah, I think he visited with the Toronto Maple Leafs on Thursday. Okay. Hmm. I like Nick Ritchie. I think me that'd too. be a good signing. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm actually a little bit surprised that the Bruins didn't qualify him because I was just like, okay, like he's 25. He fits right into what you're doing. Like, I know that he's going to be probably looking at something in the fours, maybe low fives, 15 goals. Maybe teams think he's just can't do it again or can't duplicate it. But I don't know. I'd be trying. I would have kept him. One of the, uh, the top defensemen left on the board, Ryan Murray. What are you hearing? I think he's a fit in Edmonton. Well, I know that I can tell you, Frank, that they made an offer to him. Um, I've heard there's that he has offers from five different teams. Um, I know Edmonton's one of them. And, but I will say that Edmonton doesn't have a ton of, of cap space. And I think that. Um, They're also looking for a left winger and a goalie. Yeah, well, I don't know if they're looking necessarily for a left winger because they've got Hyman, they've got Nugent Hopkins, and they got Fogel. Uh, and they also, 
I, even though I know that they, they like their prospects to ripen, um, they've got, you know, Devin Shore, you've got Tyler Benson who's three years in the American league. He's going to get qualified. Oh, he's being qualified, but you know, he'll sign a low-term deal. They've got Dylan Holloway and man, Craig Button has been, he believes that Holloway is easily ready to play in the NHL right now. So I think Edmonton's does, they don't want to sign another left winger and then just not have space potentially for Holloway. So I think they definitely wanted left defenseman for sure to, uh, to look at. And you're right. Murray would make a lot of sense for them. Um, it would, it the, would really... the knock on him is that he's been a human bandaid. Yeah, and I can I tell agree. you that the New Jersey Devils and their experience with him, they were really pleasantly surprised with not just how well he played when he was on the ice, but also his dedication and commitment to training. Uh, I think he he blew them away with that. Uh, just wasn't a fit to stay, but um, they were actually really pleasantly surprised. Will Sedano Chara play another season? Yes. I think he's just going to take a few weeks to decide. I wonder if he's a fit in Florida. I think he has a house in Florida. Um, That team's going to be good, man. They're one of the, they've really, really improved this offseason and they had a good team last year. That Reinhardt trade is like really, really good. Uh, They got to sign him to a deal. My guess is that comes in somewhere around five years, 7 million when it's all said and done. That's just a ballpark, not any reporting on my end. But man, Florida's good. I really like their team as well. They uh, they got a lot of depth all over the place. Um, you know, you got Young Knight uh, to spell off uh, Bobrovsky. Um, they're obviously Barkov. <laughs> spell him off for what? The next six years? <laughs> <laughs> well, at least for this year, Frank. Uh, he's, he might he might end up at he might end up sooner than later being the most expensive backup in NHL history. Sorry, it's only five more years. Yeah. But still, he could be the most expensive backup in NHL history uh, very, very soon. And uh, one other name that, uh, that I'm kind of uh, interested in just to see, you know, where he goes. I'm not I'm not I don't think he's a he's a big, uh, you know, he's going to surprise a lot. But he's a, he's a first battle Hall of Famer is Jumbo Joe Thornton. Is Jumbo Joe playing again? I'm going to say no. Ooh. Now, I is that his too? I just like. Man, he he just didn't bring a lot to the table. I, I look, I know the guys love him. Forty-two years old, wants to keep playing, competitive guy, wants to win. I don't know. I think when you got to the playoffs last year, you know, towards the end of the season, he just he was a non-factor. Yeah, I wonder if fatigue maybe set in a little bit. Could could he maybe. be a play? Could he be a player that you come in for his leadership and personality in the room, expecting to say, "Hey, Joe, we're gonna we're gonna limit your games in the regular season just to keep you fresh." Right now, I don't know if players want to ever admit to that or not, but we'll see. But uh, he's a he's a surefire Hall of Famer for me. Uh, not only as a player on the ice, but absolutely beloved by teammates. Like he made guys didn't matter who you were, he made you feel important on the team. And I think that's something that that some star players don't have, and mm-hmm. Thornton has that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no question. First bout Hall of Famer. Frank, uh, we will have uh, our guest lined up. We're going to have a, a real good personality guy. Just signed a three-year contract in uh, Carolina. Jordan Martinuk is joining us uh, on the, on Monday. We will also have a GM coming up, uh, a few players who, who were switched in the offseason. So I know the last few pods have just been uh, us, but uh, we'll get back to our guests now that free agency, for the most part, is done. Two and, things. Uh, we'll focus on things. Two things. Uh, I just wanted to uh, add on to the Edmonton Oilers. I do think that they've continued to work the phones on the goaltending front. I think the the team that they've been in touch with is the Columbus Blue Jackets. 
about Junus Corpusallo. I think Mers Lincolns is going to end up with a longer term extension there when it's all said and done. And I think Corpusallo is going to be the guy on the go. They're looking for a first round pick as part of the package. I think the Oilers would, would be willing to do that if that meant they're also taking Koskinen. The other question is what part, um, you know, what else are you having to give up in order to make that happen? And I think that there's some interest in Samarukov. So I think it's a potential, you know, that, that he's part of it, but um, that's just. Well, you look, for, sorry to interrupt, but Timmons in a first went for Kemper. So you're basically, because, you know, maybe Samarukov, you know, he, he hasn't played in the NHL yet. Timmons has played a few but games. there's got to be a price to get them to take Koskinen, right? Yep. So that's, that's where Samarukov might come in. Mm-hmm. So, so Samarukov and Koskinen for, for Corpusalo, who, uh, you know what? That's- Samarukov at first and Koskinen for Corpusalo. Something like that. I'm not saying it's going to be done or anything close to that. I just think that's sort of a general framework of a conversation that's been ongoing. Yeah, well, I do know that the orders were in on the Kemper deal, but um, yep. just when you look at the price tag that they paid in Colorado – Edmonton would have had to pay even more because because Colorado, as, as you mentioned, uh, you know they got Kemper, but Arizona kept a million dollars in cap space. Well, I think the you, Oilers are a big reason why the price ended up being what it was. Yeah, I think they I ended that, up driving it up a bit for Colorado. Yeah, the uh, the that Koskinen contract, the day it was signed, I still oh. remember. I was in Maui on holidays, and. Uh, I got a call from from uh, my show saying, "Hey, sorry, but we need to have you on for it." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And Costco, I'm like, "Oh, what did he sign for?" And they're, I'm like, 4.5. I thought they meant it was a three year deal that was a total of 4.5 million, averaging 1.5 mil, not 4.5 per. It made it made absolutely no sense. What made it worse was Peter Shirelli got fired the next day, so everybody in the organization, like, unless Peter Shirelli had just went rogue suddenly and 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 filed this all by himself and no one else knew in the organization, which I don't buy for a second because it's not how teams run. That contract the minute it was signed and here's the thing frank like there was no reason to do it no you could have waited that was on january 29th you could have waited because they had because then they ended up being injuries and costkin you know got played way too much ran into the ditch was terrible numbers you could have signed up at the end of that season for probably a three-year deal at two mil a year and no one would have batted an eye at that point it's that those those years from uh, 16 17 18 um, for the Empton orders were just horrific decisions that they're still paying for. They're still paying for it. It's amazing. I, I just, I remember being on a plane shortly thereafter with Peter Shirelli's firing. And I was just like, wow, this, this Koskinen contract was a killer. Then it's a killer now. Yeah. And the so. other, the other thing I wanted to say, uh, episode 50, we hit a milestone, all, almost perfect timing uh, right at the end of all the craziness that has been, Trade season, expansion draft, free agency. Uh, just wanted to thank everyone for listening and following along because, um, you know, it's been really fun to do this with you, Jay. And it's been awesome to have everyone come along for the ride with us. No, it's been great. We're getting, you know what? Uh, big thanks to all those people who reach out on social media and say they appreciate the pod. Uh, we see you. We, I try to reply to most of them. Obviously, can't get to all of them, but uh, thank you. And uh, we look forward to uh, joining us for episode 51 to the next 50, Frank. Uh, have a good weekend. We'll talk to you Monday. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. you got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount, and that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first, and you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.